Turn don't come up people now you ready to rise to be free to wise to be free now you ready to rise to be free to wise to be free now you ready to Talking about this for quite some time. Uh, me personally, I've been you know, <clears throat> pushing for Yoruba nation education for probably a decade, and uh, I'm glad you know things are catching on at, at this moment. So, so let me just jump in real quickly to talk about you know what the Nigeria's fundamental problem is because what I found out is that <clears throat> most people do not really understand what the fundamental problem is. And that is why uh, sometimes you're reluctant to support um, some of the stuff that we've been you know, talking about. So what is, <coughs> excuse me, what is the um, Nigeria's fundamental problem? Uh, the Nigerian fundamental problem has to be the parasitic unity system that we've adopted. Um, you know, some people call it uh, incomplete uh, decolonization. But whatever name you want to call it, it is still the parasitic unity system, the amalgamation. So, and um, so that is the Nigeria's fundamental problem. So it is this problem that has put us in the you know situation that we are in at this point. And that problem is further exacerbated by the 1999 military decree that you know misnomer that is called a constitution. That's a misnomer. It's not a constitution. It's a military decree because um it was the military uh abdul salam if i'm not mistaken that actually put that document that fraudulent document together uh none of our representatives from yoruba nation um was sent to um you know represent us when this document uh, was being put together so it is not um you know it was not ratified by any of our representatives so we can't accept it as a legitimate document so it's fraudulent so that's the Nigerian fundamental problem, which is one, it's the problem of um, uh, incomplete decolonization, uh, some people call it amalgamation, but I call it the parasitic unity system. So now, you know, Nigeria has no language, Nigeria has no culture, Nigeria has no moral philosophy, nor does it have a customary legal system. So, you know, these are fundamental issues, right? Because in a country, where um, the administrative language of politics is different from the indigenous language of the people, it will be very difficult to carry out a democratic process. So we cannot engage in a democratic process in a country where the administrative language of politics, you know, is different from the indigenous language of the people. So that's number one. Number two, we cannot um, have a rule of law in a country where the administrative language of law is different from the indigenous language people. For example, United States, if you are you know, an American, 
you can represent yourself at the court of law. You don't need a lawyer because the administrative language of, of you know, of the of the uh, courtroom, which is uh, which is English, is the same language that the majority of the people, you know, that is the lingua franca of the United States. In Nigeria, it's different. So there is a mismatch between the language, the indigenous language that people speak, and the you know, and the lingua franca. So that mismatch, you know, that that mismatch has created a lot of problems for us in so many in so many ways. Now, just because um, you know we are in Nigeria, that we found ourselves in Nigeria, unfortunately, and then um, you know we've experienced this incomplete decolonization. That doesn't mean we are doomed as a people, you know, to live in abject poverty. That that doesn't mean we're hopeless. So. Um, there are ways, and a lot of people around the world, they've used these ways to pull themselves out of this quagmire. And um, there are two ways. One way is to, is the regional system, you know, uh, regional autonomy. Um, another way is through, you know, complete um, uh, decolonization or disintegration or balkanization, as some people call it. So those are the two ways. One is um, regional autonomy, and the second one is, the um balkanization or the amalgamation so the first way we tried it in the 60s in the in the 60s right the problem with uh, the regional system is that it's not it wasn't fully optimized so what do i mean by it wasn't fully optimized uh it wasn't optimized in the sense that um each region uh i think there are four regions before it was uh, finally collapsed um at that time and each region did not have its own military regime so there's no each region did not have its own uh, security regime so making it very easy for ambitious um you know soldiers from one region to actually come in and and collapse the whole system and that is what we're dealing with today so the reason why the regional system will never work and why i don't ever support regional system is because it's not optimized. And the way you can make it, you can optimize it is by allowing each region to have its own security regime. Kind of like what you have in, in the United Kingdom. I call it uh, the United Kingdom model. So the second um, um, way that we can get ourselves, uh, which is the one that I prefer, which is the one that I support, is the amalgamation, uh, which some people call balkanization, uh, some people ignorantly call it secession. It is not secession. It's just um, writing something that's wrong with, you know, with with our land, right? So, and um, that one is easy. You know, it's just completely breaking up the countries along ethno-linguistic ethno lines. I support that because ethno-linguistic homogeneous model is the ideal model of a nation state. Right. That is not to say every ethno-linguistic homogeneous um, state uh, is is successful and progressive. No, I'm not saying that. Um, many people that um, don't support my, uh, my 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 point of view, they only cite uh, Somalia. <laughs> um, they are correct. I haven't really studied Somalia. I don't know what the internal politics is, but it is ethno-linguistic homogeneous, and it is a failed state for the most part. But what I'm saying is that most progressive and successful nations 
most especially, most especially the ones in um in europe you know western europe are ethnolinguistic homogeneous so um, so ethnolinguistic homogeneity is the ideal model of a nation state what will it look like it will look like um something that we have in the eu i call it the eu model where um the yoruba nation they would have their own nation they would have their own you know their own language their own everything you know they will control their own resources it's its own nation and then they can come together in a alliance with the Igbo nation Arewa nation and um with a clause that if the Yoruba nation are not you know satisfied with the union they can pull out just the same way Britain pull out of the um, you know of the EU so those are the two models you have the UK model which is the uh, regional you know model and then you have the EU model which is you know full organization so because I believe it is through strategic strategic alliance or strategic alliances that we can make this thing work if because we've lived together for what like almost 100 years now so some people are still committed to that or maybe they are nostalgic I don't know what it is that they don't want to pull out the one Nigeria, even though one Nigeria uh, is going to be the death of everybody. But so what if you want to correct that, you can correct that by, um, you know, de-amagamizing uh, the, the country or balkanizing the country into ethno-linguistic homogeneous nation or states. And then you create some sort of like political, economic, um, uh, yeah, political, economic and military, you know, alliances um you know amongst the member states so those are the ways you can fix it so the latter is what i support which is you know complete organization so i mean now that we have some understanding of what the nigerian fundamental you know problem is again it's a problem of incomplete decolonization or you know the the problem amalgamation which is which culminates into you know the unity system and it which is further exacerbated by the um 1999 military decree uh misnomer constitution so now that we have that understanding let's move on to why we need yoruba nation so we need yoruba nation because one nigeria has robbed us of our fundamentals you know many yoruba people actually um to be honest it's robbed everybody off their fundamentals uh you know it's 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 interesting i was watching one uh video it was a lecture that was given by uh the former emir of kano sanusi was also the former uh, cbn governor if i'm not mistaken he was giving the lecture about two or three years in london and he was talking about how one nigeria has destroyed the northern or probably talking about the arewa um civilization so to speak and one gentleman i think the gentleman um has to be a yoruba guy stood up and said well if you have this belief that one nigeria has destroyed the um you know the 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 uh, Arewa civilization so why can't you just call for you know for for the, why why can't you just agitate for the Arewa nation if you if you strongly believe but the problem with the northern elites they understand this thing very well everybody understands it except for some yoruba and, and you know my, some yoruba masses or misguided uh Igbo masses but anyway so but he couldn't say anything 
because the guy raised a legitimate question that if you think one Nigeria has robbed you guys of your civilization, of your fundamentals, why are you still supporting this same one Nigeria? Why can't you just pull out and call and agitate for the Arewa nation? But I couldn't say anything. The problem the North has is that they need the South economically to survive, not culturally or any other way. They need the, the, the South, especially, especially Yoruba land, for them to survive. So that is why, you know, they, they will not pull out. So, and, and what they are attempting to do is to take over the, you know, they, they want to take over the whole of Nigeria because for you to have um, ethno-linguistic homogeneity, you have to have a dominant group. You know, at least maybe 65% of the population has to be of the same stock of the same ethno-linguistic stock. And that is what they're doing. That's why they always inflate their population. And that is why they always say, you know, the Fulani can be anywhere, or, you know, all this crazy stuff they always talk about. So, um, so you know, so that's that. So that's that. So one Nigeria has robbed Yoruba people of their fundamentals. It's robbed us of our language, right? It's robbed us of our culture, right? It's robbed us of our um, mythology. It's robbed us of our history, of our um, spiritual philosophy, moral philosophy, and also natural philosophy, and our, also our customary legal system. So basically, one Nigeria has destroyed us as a people. It, it stripped us naked. So um, if you don't have your language, your culture, your customary law, your spiritual philosophy, your moral philosophy, you're basically dead. And this is why... Um, you know, I always tell people that one Nigeria will regress completely into, you know, barbarism before we can make it into one nation because he has no national soul. He has no language, he has no culture. So if there's any argument for the Yoruba people to leave one Nigeria, it is because one Nigeria has robbed the Yoruba people of their essence, of their identity, of everything they stand for. So if you continue to be inside one Nigeria, we basically, we might as well just issue our, own, our obituary and just give up because we will eventually be enslaved or we'll go extinct inside one Nigeria. There's no other way to, it's already happening. You know, <laughs> all you see are like poverty here, poverty there. Well, I mean, we can't even travel. You can't go from like Lagos to like Ondo after like 8 p.m. anymore. So, so what, what are we gaining from this thing? So we need to sit down and have the conversation uh, with ourselves as to, you know, how we need to get out of one Nigeria. Because again, if you continue to be inside one Nigeria, we are just saving it for the Fulani people to take over. Because the agenda, the full agenda, is not only in Nigeria. The full agenda is a West African agenda. They're coming all the way from Mauritania. They want to like, create that you know fuller caliphate and nigeria you know they they have their eyes set on nigeria because of its uh waters and also its you know oceans so we we we, we need to understand that now the um the recommend also um one nigeria expropriates you know our assets and surplus capital and um and then you know redistribute you know same to the rest of the unproductive part of Nigeria. That's what the whole VAT argument is all about. 
you know, I'm not saying all the Yoruba states today are productive, but they can be. In fact, you know, Ondo State has the longest coast in the, in the, in the whole of West Africa. People always talk about Lagos, but they don't know, you know, if Yoruba people were to be on their own, I would bet that Ondo would probably be the richest, you know, Yoruba, Yoruba region. But that's, that's, that's a different story. So, so we have to be on our home to explore, you know, our regional assets, you know, uh, and then convert same to surplus capital. Also, um, one Nigeria discourages um, productivity in Yoruba land. We are not productive anymore because they've destroyed everything. All our productive inputs they've destroyed. You know, uh, one of it is our labor, which is human capital. Most of the productive Yoruba, they live in Nigeria, they go into all these Western states, I mean, Western countries. So, so for those reasons, you know, I believe we need to get out of Nigeria fast. Otherwise, we, we, we are doomed. So now, the recommendations that I will make, because, you know, whenever I talk, um, you know, whenever I talk like this, I like to make recommendations. And the, um, the recommendations I'll make is that first, we have to develop the Yoruba jurisprudence, uh, which will set the meets and bounds of the Yoruba legal framework. And, um, you know, in the same vein, we also have to establish the, um, the, the Yoruba customary legal system. You know, so we, we have to find a way to do that. Um, I mean, it's gonna be something that um, Yoruba scholars, um, you know, like, you know, regular, you know, scholars and also, um, you know, scholars of the traditional scholars have to come together because, um, you know, we have to incorporate some of our ancient, um, you know, literature like Ifa and things of that nature into, into um, the jurisprudence. So, but not until we develop the, <clears throat> the jurisprudence that we can, you know, establish the customary law and also the legal framework. So that's number one. Number two, we have to establish, and I know this, some people might not like it. Um, we have to establish organization, organization of Isheshe communities. Um, why do we need to do this? This um, has to be done. I think maybe um, the only of fair because to me, I believe the only is a spiritual head of all the Yoruba people, even though they don't act like it, <laughs> but he still, um, you know, he's still the uh, spiritual head of Yoruba people, so he might need to uh, make this call and 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 create the um, organization of Isheshe communities. And what needs to be done uh, in this organization? I mean, well, this organization, what it will foster, it will foster some sort of like political and economic bond between the Yoruba diasporic communities and the and Yoruba land, Yoruba nation. Um, I mean, you, know, you can think of it like, like OIC, Organization of Islamic Communities, where uh, if something happens to Saudi Arabia, you see some northerners in Nigeria trying to like help them out and, and, and things of that nature. So, you know, it fosters that, that um, political and economic bond between the Yoruba, you know, diasporic communities in Cuba, in Brazil, Trinidad and Tobago, um, Haiti, um, you know, a bunch of other places in South America. So, so that needs to be done like as soon as possible. And also um, um, uh, the, the, the Federation of Yoruba Nation has to be established 
based on the Yoruba traditional provinces. So, for example, today, right? So we have, um, let's just say, seven Yoruba states, six to seven Yoruba states in in Nigeria, right? So, for example, you have Ogun State. So, uh, under the Nigeria's um, federating system, right? Uh, which is not a federation, it's a joke, right? But let's just say it's a federation. So the states federate in Nigeria today. So in Ogo State, you have the Ijebu and then you have the Egba and some other indigenous people in Ogo State. In um, the Yoruba Nation that we propose, states will not federate. It will be provinces, the traditional provinces. For example, um, so the Ijebu will federate the Egba will federate. So there will not be, you will not be putting two traditional, you know, um, Asian people together, you know, in one state. Because what we've realized is that this will cause tension and, um, you know, and, and social conflict uh, in the Yoruba nation. So each traditional provinces, uh, the province has to federate. So the Egba people will come together, they federate, and then they can create as many local governments as they want. So it is not the responsibility of the federal government to tell the province how many local government they can create. They create local government based on their, you know, resource or resources and surplus capital. That's none of, none of our business. And and similarly, for example, uh, in Oshun State, well, so you have the Awori province, you have the, um, you know, the Ekiti, you know, province, you have Ife province, you have the Modakeke province. So all these probably like the Oyo province, you know, this would be the Oyo people, um, you know, so that, that so you, you, you know, you get, you get the, uh, the drift. So that is what it's going to be. And also we need, we need, and, and I repeat, we need to develop, we need to formulate and develop the book of Ifa or the Yoruba, what I call, some people call Yoruba Bible. You know, um, people don't understand why literature is very important. Um, one of the reasons why we all speak the standard Yoruba that we speak today is because uh, Ajayi Crowder standardized Yoruba language. He was the one that developed uh, the Yoruba orthography, and I believe he developed Igbo orthography too. And in the process, he was the one that translated the English Bible to Yoruba. And uh, because of that, you know, the, the, the Yoruba Bible uh, is a work of, uh, uh, of literature. So, um, like, when people read, um, you know, the Yoruba Bible, they can quote from it, they can reference it. And that's why you have, like, um, like my grandmother, she can reference a lot of things in the Bible because she, even though she, she could not, when she was alive, she could not read the English Bible, but she could read the Yoruba Bible. You, you know what I'm saying? So you, we need um, a unified literature that, um, you know, that, that kind of encompasses, um, you know, our cosmology. So we really need to, um, you know, to, to, to formulate and develop the book of IFA um, because believe it or not, IFA is the compendium, you know, of Yoruba um, cosmology, history, uh, what is it? Mythology, uh, epistemology, moral, spiritual, and natural philosophies. So it's it's very very important because it's the Yoruba knowledge base, and it has to be developed. So I think I mean 
that's what um, I'll stop here. And uh, if you guys have any questions, you just let me know. Okay, thank you so much, Ifadari. Uh, uh, I really appreciate uh, I believe a lot of people here uh, have questions they want to ask you. Uh, so let me just open the floor. And I also have some few questions here that I wrote down while listening to you. But then let me allow the house to throw in their questions. So please, uh, Chooks, um, Black God, Arizo, Nate, also. Okay. Uh, good evening, House. Uh, thank you very much for speaking to us, um, uh, Mr. Ifadari. Thank you very much. So, I I just have a few, just two questions. First is when you say um, one Nigeria has robbed us of our fundamentals. Like I know you explained it some way, but could you build up on what you meant by fundamentals? Like I heard you say it's robbed up of our fundamentals, of our essence, of everything we stand for. Like could we be more specific as to how do we mean fundamentals? Like what do we mean by? You know, it's robbed of it robbed us of our essence. That's one. Then, and when you talk about the when, when you were making your recommendations, you said that there's got to be an organization of maybe effective communities. Could you also maybe expatiate on that too? Like, I didn't really understand those two parts clearly. That's that's all. Okay. All right. Oh, uh, thank you for asking me those two questions. Um, when I the fundamentals, I think that people need to navigate reality for example um you, uh, one of the fundamentals the language um you've never seen i, I mean i've never I've been to a few places uh, around the world i've never seen a developed nation a progressive nation a successful nation that uses a foreign language as its lingua franca and you know and and, and is a developed nation i've never seen it so you know if you go to japan they speak japanese you go to china they speak chinese you know you go to england they speak english but it's only in nigeria where you know you speak english when indigenous people of that land do not speak that same language that's not the indigenous language so so one nigeria has robbed us has robbed us of that language which is yoruba language and also you know you can say the same thing they told that for um the Igbo people um so also it's robbed us of our history um today i mean most yoruba people don't under, really understand their history they don't understand the issue of um, um where yoruba people actually came from uh the history of the or your imperial state or the issue of the kids people on or if people you know so it's robbed us of our history what they teach us the history of england the history of rome and, and greece and all this sort of stuff so so that's it it's robbed us of our history even our culture uh it's robbed us of our mythology most yoruba people don't know understand yoruba myths as are uh, you know deposited in the ifa literary corpus also it's robbed us of our epistemology what is epistemology it's a way of knowing how do you know things that you see in your environment i'm not talking about how you know things in the bible how you know things in the quran or in the middle east or saudi arabia how do you know um things in yoruba land you know why is it in yoruba land that um um 
you know, our kings, they wear the hats, um, the, the crown they wear. Why why don't they wear the same crown and, and things of that nature? Why do we have um, the masquerades, the gung -gung, you know, things, things like that. So one Nigeria, we are not taught of that in, 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 in our classrooms. So, and to me, it's because of one Nigeria. And one Nigeria also has dropped us for economics, like, for example, so you have most people they go to um, Mecca on holy pilgrimage, right? And uh, last time I checked, um, Saudi Arabia generates upward of fifteen billion to twenty billion dollars every year on the pilgrimage, the holy pilgrimages that people make there every year. We can make the same thing because we have our own spiritual philosophy that people are willing, especially the Yoruba people and other people in the in diaspora they are willing to come and 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 um you know or to yoruba land only pregnant one of it is the Oshun Oshubo. even with, with the insecurity in nigeria as a state people still come outside so imagine we are on our own and we actually promote um you know these traditional things that we have in our land so imagine how um beneficial that would be for us economically and politically and also when nigeria has robbed us of our spiritual philosophy again it's not many yoruba people know about you know the spiritual side of ifa uh it's robbed us of our moral philosophy we can all see that in yoruba land today a lot of things that are happening in yoruba land today used not to happen as because we've lost our moral ethics you know our ethics and and um yeah, so our moral philosophy. And, and lastly, it's robbed us of our natural philosophy. Natural philosophy simply means the way we develop things technologically and scientifically, locally, before, um, you know, we, we, we got Western education. For example, you know, the way we weave, you know, our cloth, the way we, um, like, adire and stuff like that, um, the way we smell iron and stuff like that. I'm not against the Western system, but I always believe we can incorporate some of our traditional knowledge into, we can marry the two, you know, um, you know to, to our advantage. So we've lost that because one Nigeria has robbed us of that. So that is what I mean by one Nigeria has robbed us of our essence. We don't really know who we are because we're losing our identity inside one Nigeria. I mean, a lot of Yoruba, I see some Yoruba people today, they give their kids like, Biblical names, I mean, English names, but they think it's a biblical name. But they, these are, you know, they are English names because they don't know, you know. So, and then, um, they, they, you know, I, I meet some people, they've never traveled out of Nigeria, and they will tell me they don't speak Yoruba. They've always lived in Yoruba land in Nigeria, but <laughs> they don't speak Yoruba. But then I have some African Americans here that are not, they've never stepped in Nigeria and they're learning you know, how to speak Yoruba. So it's very interesting, it's a very um, interesting uh, phenomenon. Um, so your other question about the um, the uh, establishment of the organization of Shishi community. I mean, it does just simply like creating um, the United Nations or organization of uh, Christian communities, or organization of Islamic communities. If you study the OIC, the organization of um, Islamic, I guess, communities, what it's called. Okay, you will see how each member state they, you know, project power, like politically, economically. You know, Saudi Arabia is their base. 
because that's the root of their spiritual philosophy. So if Yoruba people, we have our own spiritual philosophy that most people around the world love, why can't we, you know, um, use that to advantage? Why can't we key into it and, 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 and use it to project power uh, politically and economically? So that's what I mean by it, it's paramount that we establish organizations and social communities because it will only it will benefit us because we have this spiritual philosophy that other people want to um want to want to tap into or learn from so that's pretty much um you know i hope that answer uh your two questions yes yes you did yes you did thank you you're welcome yes please um i, I think i agree a lot with um what um uh, was that Ojo speaking? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So I agree a lot with um most of the things he said. However, I think the terminology of saying it's um one Nigeria that denied um us of those um um uh, rights or privileges or you know um I think um it's more of a colonial or colonialism that really denied us of all those, you know, we were colonized differently from most other um, parts of the world. And um, when I say we, I mean Africans. So um, other countries like um, um, Uganda, you know, or some other countries who have lost a lot more in the culture than any nation within Nigeria, um, have also suffered this same thing because of um, colonization, divide and rule, um, cultural uh, appropriation, cultural destruction, cultural obliteration. You know, these are programs that um, were set by colonialism in order to deprive the people of knowledge of self, in order for them to be able to be able to, or for them to break humans. You know how they break horses? They have to create a program of breaking humans. And in order to break humans, they have to deprive you of all knowledge, all uh, uh, um, pride, all heritage. And that is what really destroyed us as a people. If we were, um, if our countries were colonized like the way they colonized China, if our countries were colonized the same the way they colonized some other countries, we would still have that pride in us and we'll still bring back who we are and use who we are to further our advancement. But that colonialism is what um, destroyed our mind. That it, it, it's now very difficult for us to try to um, get back our pride that is required for us to be able to excel. You know, when I say pride, I mean pride in originality. You know, because we, uh, well, I'm not going deep into all those other things, but um, when you say one Nigeria, um, I think of Africa as a whole because um, divided, we fall, united, we stand. Why, why I say that is we need to unite um, as a, um, in, in some kind of way in order to be able to stand um the knees that are on the necks of our nations you know because 
so many all um imperial nations you know be it europe be it america be it um china they're all putting their knees on our neck because we have a lot and if we don't have the strength you know if we don't have the the power to um to negotiate you know, be it through weapon, regardless of how we're negotiating. But if we don't have that power, then we cannot negotiate. And which was one of the main, uh, major uh, aims of the Berlin Conference to divide up the people, you know, either physically or psychologically. So I think we have to, as well, uh, as much as promotes um, our cultural heritage, and all the benefits that come from it. We also have to promote the unity of all black people on earth, you know, in order for us to be able to um, even gain those benefits you're talking about. You know, uh, Haiti is under one umbrella today, right? They fought the French and expelled the French. They fought the Brits, they fought the Americans and nobody could take back Haiti. But today, or for the past 200 years, because of the knees that has been on their neck, they have not been able to advance. And in the same way can almost no African or Black nation on earth advance because of this disunity. So as much as I agree with you on our cultural heritage being the uh, one of the pillars by which we must advance ourselves, we hope to advance, but also Unity is one thing that uh, we must hold dearly if we hope to get our necks off the knees of those who have sworn to keep sure. us down because of what we have. Sure, sure. Can I can I quickly cut in? Um, I I totally agree to what you just said. Um, but unity must be based on strategic alliances. Unity cannot be based on forced amalgamation. And that is the uh, mistake some of our people make. Um, so you, first of all, you have to understand um, what is going on. In, uh, I believe in 1885 or 1875, during the Berlin Conference, the chairperson of the Berlin Conference was um, uh, Bismarck, Otto von Bismarck. He was the one that introduced the homogeneous model to Europe. He was the one that unified the Germanic um, provinces together into one. Why? Because he recognized that they all speak the same language. So he was the one that came up with that uh, homogeneous model. And and then ironically, the same person was the one that introduced um, heterogeneous model in Africa. So it was a setup, um, you know, from the beginning. And that's why most African states today are um, not optimized and not productive because the um, heterogeneous model they operate under. Um, Western Europe is pretty much homogeneous. Um, you know, France is homogeneous, Germany is homogeneous, but that homogeneity was actually put, the, the model was put in place by uh, Otto von Bismarck. So when we talk about unity, I fully support, I'm a Pan-Africanist myself, but uh, unity must be based on strategic alliances and um, non-force amalgamation. I didn't really want to get into the philosophical argument 
for uh, decentralization, but um, but I'll, I'll speak on it a little bit. See, when people that understand finance, they understand that uncertainty is measured with time. The problem is when things are centralized, they become too complex. And when things are complex, over time, they they lose their robustness. They become, um, you know, fragile. They they break apart. And that is what's going on in Nigeria on that unity system. And that is the philosophical argument against actually uh, anything that's centralized. Over-centralization, um, you know, is, 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 um, it's not invariant, you know, to, to stressors, you know, so, and that is why Nigeria over time, it will not get better, it will get worse because it's overly centralized. <laughs> so, um, and that, that's, you know, that's just it. So when you, when you have a business, so for example, um, when I was in business school, uh, we, one of the case studies that we looked at was, uh, I believe it was AOL. One of the reasons why AOL failed was because uh, over because of over centralization. So um, you know their 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 finance team uh, was in New York. Their technical team and research team um, you know was in the West Coast of the United States. So they couldn't communicate. Um, you know if it was decentralized, the the finance team and the technical team and the research team they can make their own independent decisions. And, and then move the company forward. But if you got to wait for this decision to go through the pipeline because it's overly centralized, eventually it will break down uh, because over time, uncertainty sets in. And when you're too complex, you will break down. You will not be uh, impervious. You will not be robust to you know stress that comes from uncertainty. And that is why anything that's overly centralized is not good. It will break down. Uh, if you remember the Iraq war, this is why Lonsfer was the, I think it was the defense secretary at that time. That is why they used, they decentralized the American military to fight Saddam Hussein. Before then, it used to be centralized military, but when you have, when something is centralized, you can't move. It's not, um, it's, you know, you won't be agile. So that that's why things have to be centralized. So this is not only applicable to, um, to nations, it's applicable to businesses and um so that's why i'm in support of localism and and its application to yoruba to urbanization so yeah so i'm i'm in full support of um african unity uh, in fact i think um at and some of the um diasporic um african communities should be invited to the um african union but the union or unity cannot be based on forced amalgamation uh, we have to deamalgamate away from the um, the Berlin, um, you know, the Berlin model that that's currently set up in Africa, and then uh, we can form strategic alliances, kind of like what you have in the EU. Even EU, once it becomes overly centralized, they will have to decentralize because it's going to fall apart. That's why you, you know that's why you have Brexit because it's becoming too centralized. So, so yeah, so I agree to what you're saying. It's just the way you're saying it's a little bit different. Strategic alliances or alliance is better than forced amalgamation. And what, what we have in Nigeria is, is, is what I call forced amalgamation. And also, um, I don't know if you were here when I first started, the fundamental problem in Nigeria is the problem of incomplete decolonization. 
and and we can fix it the way China, you know, China found a way around it. As big as China is, you know, China operates on a original system of one uh, nation, three regions. So you have the mainland China, you have Hong Kong, and then you have Macau. Macau is like the tourist kind of like state. Um, Hong Kong is like the finance capital of China, and China is a political, the mainland is political, you know. So we can also do that. I'm not in favor of it um because it's not optimized but we have to optimize it and then and then that can be done okay okay uh oh Absolutely. same to you too okay. yeah, Chooks, are you done oh i i said i'm of the same view too Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad. Okay. okay, uh, so is there a question from uh Malung or uh Nate's or Black God? Uh, oh, no. okay, um, we might not have to wait for too long for that, uh, for five minutes already. So, uh, one question I have well. is that, um Okay, yeah, next. Uh, well, I don't really have a question, but uh, what I really want to find out about the unity. Is it possible for us to achieve the unity we deserve in Africa? And how are we going to achieve that? That's just my question. Unity in terms of what? I don't understand. Like we're talking about uh, having a, uh, based on what the speaker said, he said we need uh, unity, like uh, support from other, if there is a Yoruba nation now, we need support from other uh, source of Yoruba, where the other Yoruba people is, you understand, to support like the one we have in the Brazil, the Yoruba community. You know, African to truly liberate Africa, we need unity. And I don't think, how are we going to achieve that? Because the uh, the, uh, the way we are being colonized is quite different. And I don't think the unity we deserve to uphold ourselves, I don't think we can really achieve that. Um, can I quickly say something? Um, if we look at Nigeria, Nigeria is a macrocosm of Africa uh, because uh, I believe it's the, you know, in terms of population, it's the largest African country. I believe uh, one out of six or five Africans uh, is Nigerian. So um, when we, we need to worry first about Nigeria, um, we tend to, you know, for some reason, we, we tend to like to project you know this unity to the rest of africa when we can't even handle unity in nigeria so if nigeria is a microcosm of you know africa let's use nigeria as a model let's get nigeria right if we get nigeria right then we can spread that message to the rest of africa and one way to get nigeria right is to the amalgamate nigeria amalgamation is what you know brought us to this stage and we need to the amalgamate nigeria so if, if you're asking what 
how can we achieve unity in Africa? We can achieve unity through the amalgamation because the, what you have in Africa now, there are no, there's no nation in Africa. You know, we don't have an African nation. What we have are colonial contractions. So for us to even talk about unity, we have to de-amalgamate away from the uh, Berlin Conference um, Hamadu that we currently have today. If you look at uh, one of the problems that Congo, Congo is probably, I mean, Congo story is even, you know, <laughs> worse than than in a Nigeria story because Congo arguably uh is the richest um you know uh, real estate in the in, in the world and if you look at the GDP and, and some other stuff it's just you know it's just sad but in uh, when Lumumba um came into power it was proposed to him to you know regionalize Congo or the Amagamet Congo but Katanga is an, um, you know, kind of like mineral rich province. And, um, and then I, I believe uh, Shatonga or somebody was the one that wanted to be the regional president of, 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 um, um, of, of Katanga. But because um, Lomomba, he was a Pan-Africanist who uh, is mistaken, uh, he had this mistaken belief that, you know, Africa had to be, um, we can work on that the Berlin Conference model, but what you should have done is to deamagamate and regionalize Congo. And if he had done that, Congo would have, you know, would never have been in the situation Congo uh, is in today. So we need to, when we talk about unity, we we have to understand what unity is, and we have to understand how we can achieve unity. The best way to achieve unity is. Um, by you know the creation of strategic alliances you know kind of like what you have in in the uh what is it called uh european union you know like each state um the each state does not like um give up its you know its uh its its ethno-linguistic you know reality or ethos they still maintain all of that and but at the same time they create a strategic alliance you know military alliance under nato um, and the um, EEC, European Economic uh, Community, I believe it's called. So we can do the same thing. So we can create unity without forced amalgamation. We can create unity based on strategic alliances. So, I mean, that's what I always preach. Okay. Um, to know uh, if any other person, but have any other question again? But, yeah, I want to say something. Okay, okay, please go ahead. So, um, Mr. Ojo um, talked about um, the amalgamation being the only um, way to uh, um, achieve um, regional or decentralized government. Uh, I, I kind of, um, maybe, I don't know if it's a terminology, because if you're talking about the amalgamation, then you're talking of um, um, creating different nations, or no, not nations, different countries. And um, the European Union is one um, decentralized um, system uh, with different nations, but strategic alliance. Um, it has not lasted long. Uh, it has had a lot of problems. Um, another option, 
I know that is one option that okay, that can be suited to work, but we've not really seen it work anywhere in the world yet. And another option is um, the American option. So the American option was not a forced amalgamation, although um, some territories were conquered. Um, so, but the amalgamation of the 13 colonies of America was not forced. And um, it was um, the coming together an agreement of different colonies uh, under a workable system. And I think with our, um, uh, what they call it, our diversity, because we're so diverse in Africa, I think um, the American system would be a better option than the European system. Although, you know, uh, there could be other systems that are better. That's why I don't, I don't, most of the time I don't like to talk about, you know, whether it's European or American systems. You know, I like to be original, create things from scratch based on who we are, based on um, our um, heritage. So, but when, when you're saying is the only way, you know, that we have to, um, the amalgamate, you know, even before our amalgamation, we were already, there was already our amalgamation before 1914. You know, they had already amalgamated all the, uh, the, 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 the uh, Southern kingdoms and the Eastern kingdoms. They had already amalgamated the Western kingdoms, you know, to become what they were before that 1914 amalgamation. So, um, the is one way, you know, based on the problems that Nigeria is facing, the two different ways by which they colonize the North and the South, the North indirectly through their religious, uh, traditional leaders who have become their own oppressors, and the South um, through direct rule. And so this has caused a very high friction between the mindset of the North and the mindset of the South. So it's, yeah, it's one way that might be effective, um, but there's a whole lot of takeaway. You know, we become stronger negotiating powers because the smaller you are, then the more um, people can just, you know, for example, if Nigeria negotiates, you know, okay, we say, okay, um, we don't want to accept the dollar as an international currency anymore. We want to float uh, maybe a Central African currency, you know, and then or something, you know, we just say something when negotiating, you know, that this is bad for our economy. We need this. Uh, the people we're negotiating with, maybe if it's China, they could be like, well, if you're not ready, we go to Angola and get it, you know. But if the entire continent, you know, has, you know, single policy. You know, they don't have to be one nation, but if some aspects of nationhood are handled um, in a way that they agree to, uh, you know, they create policies that 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 are best for the entire uh, continent and its allies out of the continent. You know, um, I think it would do us a great uh, uh, a lot. Like what China has done to itself, you know. Although China, it took China seventy years. I don't think we're looking for seventy years with the technology we have today. We should be able to compress that into less than twenty years, 
And um, if we're able to get those right strategy and not follow the one true God mentality and put our options on the table, look at them and find the best, you know, encourage, you know, uh, uh, original thinking and, and original development. I think we can come up with something. So, yeah, that's just what I have to say. Yeah, let me let me respond to that real quickly. I'm I'm glad that you mentioned United States of America. Uh, one United States of America is not Nigeria. United States of America uh, is an outpost European outpost nation. United States of America is kind of like Canada. United of United States of America is like Israel. Uh, well, uh, United States of America is like Australia. So these are nations are created by um you know slave holders colonialists they destroyed indigenous um you know they kind of genocide indigenous people destroyed their civilization and then they implanted their own civilization on top of the indigenous civilization that is that was in the story in nigeria that is in the story in nigeria right um that has you know that's one number two um united states is is a multiracial nation it is not a multi-ethnic nation. That's number, you know. That's that's a, a, another um, difference. And also, United United Nations, even though it's a multi-racial nation, is ethno-linguistic homogeneous. And um, you know, one can argue that United United States has one culture, and that culture is the Judeo-Christian culture. Uh, it has ethno. It's you know it's ethnic linguistic homogeneous because the the majority of people i'll say uh 70 percent united States population is european because it's a multiracial nation and uh, and then most of them speak english right and then the most of them are judeo-christians that's their culture and they can trace their lineage back to you know, greece and rome so but we don't have that in Nigeria. In Nigeria, what we um, what we have in Nigeria, we have independent Yoruba nation, you have Arewa nation, we have Igbo um, nation, Ijo and um, Kanuri. These people had their, they are civilization states because they had their civilization. They were not Jim Crow, they were not, you know, genocide by anybody. The Europeans came, they colonized and they left, right? They did not stay as they did in South Africa. Um, so our reality is totally different for United States reality. And also in the United States, you have uh, a federal system. I, I'm glad you mentioned the 13 colonies. Those uh, 13 colonies were not created by a military um, uh, junta. It wasn't like, uh, <laughs> when uh, Babangida created a lot of states in, in Nigeria. Some of the states it created haphazardly. Some of them it created for is like, you know, girlfriends, but that wasn't the case in the United States. The United States, the 13 colonies came together to create a state before the Louisiana Purchase, right? And um, and that's how, you know, the United States was created. It wasn't that some military guy took over and started creating state apparently. So, and so all these problems, you know, have to be corrected. When I tell people, get me wrong, they think, um you know i'm like an ethnic chauvinist no i'm a pan-africanist i wish i had like a magic wand that all african people can be one and happy family but that is not 
realistic. So we have to face reality. We have to do what is realistic and what is the Europeans they figure this out. That's why they are you know the you know when when Bismarck was doing what he was doing in, in Germany because he figured it out in the in the 19th century that people that speak the same language have the same culture they need, and the same descent and history need to be together. But that doesn't mean if now you look, you know, you have the same skin color, that doesn't mean you cannot form uh, an alliance. Yes, you can go into a strategic alliance, and that is what, you know, Western European countries have done. But whenever they try to centralize the system, as I previously mentioned, the EU will eventually um, self-destruct because they will get too big, and then all these other countries will start, like, going back to, you know, to 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 their um, previous configuration, so and we've already seen with Brexit, some other countries will eventually leave. So I mean that's just the way it is. That's that's why I started that made that philosophical argument. And that's one of the reasons why today, yeah, there are more rats than elephants, because rats are more robust to uncertainty than <laughs> elephants. So. And then that just, you know, whenever things is overly centralized, it's just, it will self-destruct because it cannot withstand um, uncertainty, the stress, the, the stress of, in the env environmental um, stress. So yeah, so United States is totally different from Nigeria. We have totally different reality. And there is a presence of a dominant racial group in the United States, such is not the case in Nigeria. There's no dominant ethno-linguistic group in Nigeria. The Fulani are trying to establish themselves as a the dominant group, but they don't have the number, they don't have the culture, they don't have the language. They have to hide under the Aousa people to project power. So, and that is the problem we have in today in Nigeria because they realize for them to, um, for Nigeria to work, uh, a dominant group has to emerge. But until then, nothing is going to get done so to me one nigeria i can pretty much bet anything on it that it will never it will always get worse and it will get to a point where we would people outside of nigeria would never be able to come inside it would just be like um, um afghanistan or even somalia probably even worse and that that's where we're headed so so we 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 have to be careful because we're talking about unity, but we want to unify with people that don't want to, that don't even see us as their equal. The Fulani, right from time, right from 1802, or, you know, so most, maybe let, let me go into, quickly into the history of, of the Fulani. Um, the, the Moors were in Spain. They, you know, they, they ruled Spain for a long time. The Castilians came back to power. They kicked them out. They cut them off from the Mediterranean Sea. They came back to Morocco. From Morocco, they went to Mali. There was a kingdom in Mali at that time, which is the you know Mali Empire. They destroyed it. They replaced it with uh, Song Songa or Songa Empire. So the those were the Moors. The Fulani were their go-between. They were the ones that the Moors were you know using to attack the traditional African civilizations. So they were the ones that destroyed all the traditional African civilization. They were the, the ones that destroyed Mali Empire. They were the, the ones that destroyed Kanuri Empire. They were the ones that destroyed um, uh, Aousa, you know, states, and also the Oyo, 
you know, because all y'all used to be like around Jebba, or your lead used to be around Jebba. They moved like almost seven or eight times to the present uh, Agudoyo, where Oyo is today. So, and then uh, if you guys read the chronicles of um, Bishop Ajayi Crowder, it described how his um, town in Ushobu, how he was raided by the Fulani. The same kind of way they act today is the way they, they, they acted in the, in, um, in, in the 1802. Carpeting, um, the, I believe Scottish or English explorer, at the height of the Shokoto Caliphate, there were 22 forms of barrowship which we call Almagiri system today. They destroy everything that was at state. What they would do is they would accuse your people, your leaders of corruption, and then they would, they always have this air of Islamic puritanism to them, that they are pious and they, you know, they can serve you better and they are not corrupt and all this stuff. I mean, we've heard this before, Buari, Mr. Integrity, that, that's the same gimmick, right? So, and then they will come to power, but then what you find out is that they are even 50 times worse, yeah, 50 times worse than, and then, than your leaders that they've, um, you know, that they've killed. So that is their thing. It's so we, we want to, you know, unite or unify our people, but they don't want that. They want to dominate and they don't care if we die or leave. As long as we, they reduce us to servitude. That is what they want. So if that's the case, we need to watch out for ourselves, um, build um, a strong nation, a nation of our own, and then we can, you know, we can defend ourselves and then based on that strong position that we can deal with them. So that's all I'm saying. Okay, so now you, you spoke about realities on ground. And now why not go deep into these realities? Um, we all know um that this is a problem of um culture and cultural appropriation and from all the things you mentioned um it's easy for you to see the arab and the european man in them you know we know how they came about we know what they were used for but what has been done to um alter that mindset and sing and and, and uh destroy those um uh uh that mind that has been put into these people you know a culture does just um does not um does not just emanate from um thin air it's either created by um a people you know, or created out of situations. You know, in the case of the Fuller people, we know um, that they were used, they were conquered, and they were uh, used, they, they were manipulated, and they've created these people who have become a menace to African societies for hundreds of years, for centuries. You know, but these same people or their children can be, um, their mindset can be changed. You know, if we hope, it's just like you're saying, you're trying to cure uh, people with a virus in their body. If we don't um, eliminate that virus in them, 
as long as they are there with your children, they would always continue to pass on this virus into the children. So, which says now, if we separate from those who are already infected, are they still not going to be a sabotage to Africa, just like we already have sabotage or, or sabotoirs in the northern part of Africa? Are they not going to be the biggest saboteur in the sub-Saharan region because we have refused to cure the problem that has infected them? So no. that is that is that is some reality on the ground, you know. Okay. It, Okay. So go ahead, I, go ahead. Yeah, can I? So what needs to be done in that situation is that it is not for us to, um, you know, ask people to jettison their their ways, their their civilization, or you know, their Asian ways. What we need to do is to watch out for our own interests. What will happen is, you know, most fuller are fatalists. Once they don't, they cannot use divide and conquer anymore. Because the way they've positioned themselves now, they say, okay, the Southerners are enemies. And it's so ironic that we're in the same nation, but they see us as their, you know, enemies, whatever. And then, so once we separate from them, I mean, they, we are not, we don't see them as our enemies, but we just want to, um, you know, to, 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 uh, to be progressive. So their own masses, will now revolt against them, their leadership, you know, like the Chokoto Caliphate, the Sultan, and all these other people, because the fuller, they don't have the numbers. They use the Aousas as a full soldiers. They use their language to project power. So once the Aousa masses see what is going on, because now they cannot um, use the Aousa people against us, right? Because the fuller are their masters. So the Aousa masses themselves will revolt against them. So it will be like a natural revolution. They will not be able to achieve that now because they're telling them, look, these um, you know, uh, enemies and the Christians in the South, they want to destroy um, Islam. They are enemies of Islam. Um, of, you know, so they are the ones that are that, you know, that they are the ones that are creating this Wahhabi or the, the Salafi set of um muhammadans in 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 the north and especially in the core north of nigeria but we southerners what we are saying is that we want to control our own destiny we want to watch out for our own interests it's all about self-preservation they know what to do the northerners know what to do they can survive on their own they have the means they have everything the only thing they don't have is probably access to the sea but we can negotiate that Right, we can, you know, you can always negotiate. They are brothers. I don't see them as our enemies. I'm, as a Pan-Africanist, I'm proposing a solution that will be beneficial to the Yoruba people, to Igbo people, and the rest of Africa. And that solution is to form a strategic alliance and, you know, move away from forced amalgamation. So, and that, that is what I'm saying. So we don't have to worry about that. That would just be natural revolution in that once we, are on our own, first of all, we'll be able to defend ourselves because we control our resources and we'll be able to con uh, convert those resources to surplus capital. So we'll be able to you know, buy weapons and, and set up our own military regime. Then we'll be able to defend ourselves. And in that process, 
they will not use their own people against us anymore. Now it will just be their people against the, the feudalists. You know, people like the Sultan Ashokoto, the Emir of Kano, and all these other people. And then they will revolt against them. So to me, that will be a natural revolution. But again, like countries like um, Ghana and um, other countries who um, do not have much of that problem have not been able to advance themselves above a certain place. Why? Because of the needs that we have on our necks, you know, by these NATO nations, like I call them. And if we continuously disintegrate ourselves, you know, instead of curing the virus in us, um, how do we ever be on that world stage to be able to negotiate our destiny and the destiny of our children and the children's children? Yes. Where, where yes. will that start? Because we're yes. talking so, about yes. so, it's going to take like 300 years or 200 years. Right, right. So the, the, what we need to understand is that there is no African nation in Africa today. So when you look at Nigeria, you're looking at an outpost of European nation. So when you say, well, you know, a country like Ghana hasn't been able to advance, yes, because Ghana is not an African country or nation. You know, it's an outpost of European nation. What language do they speak in Ghana? They speak English. What is the customary law in, in Ghana? It's in the English common law. What kind of history are they learning in Ghana? What are they, who created their um, grammar schools? You know, they call it grammar schools because they learn English grammar, you know, or maybe Chris, they, they either, Ethiopia. You know, Ethiopia. Yeah, but it, well, Ethiopia is a little bit different. You know, they have their own set of issues, but it's a little bit different from what we um, are battling with in West Africa. So, and that's why, again, I said, the ethno-linguistic homogeneous model is the ideal model of a nation state, but that doesn't mean all ethno-linguistic homogeneous um, nations are progressive, powerful, and successful. No, I'm not saying that. But most or nearly all successful um, and, and powerful and progressive nations are ethno-linguistic homogeneous. So if you understand my logic, then that is the channel that we need to, <laughs> to follow. Because, you know, you know, to me, I, I don't like to talk about outliners. You know, when you talk about Somalia, Ethiopia, those are, you know, outliners. And, you know, people always say Ethiopia was never colonized. That's not necess necessarily true. Um, because it was sort of colonized by the Italian, also the British. So it's not really true that Ethiopia was not colonized. Even um, most people... You can't colonize a country in four years. Yeah, I mean, you cannot, but for example, if you look at, most people will say, you know, Christianity, you know, uh, Ethiopian Christianity, uh, you know, um, like it's, it's a false Christian nation. That is not true. Ethiopia, Ethiopia was a satellite nation of the Roman, uh, you know, the Holy Roman um, of Byzantine. Let me say, of Byzantine. So it was um, the Byzantine emperor that, you know, I think around 300 BC or probably after that, that converted Ethiopia into a Christian state. So you have the you have Ethiopia, Rome, or Byzantine, and uh, I think Lakmid uh, um, imperial state. 
on one side, and you have the Sassanid um, imperial state of Iran today, uh, Ms. Norma Pajia, and also the Ghassanid. Those were, you know, Zoroastrian uh, nations. So those uh, six or five countries were fighting each other. So that was when Ethiopia was converted to Christianity. So it's inaccurate to say Ethiopian uh, is uh, the first Christian nation. So Ethiopia is an ancient, um, you know, country. And when we say Ethiopia in the ancient times, the whole of Africa was referred to as, you know, Ethiopia. Just like at one point, the whole of Africa was um, referred to as Sudan. So, so we need to understand these things. But all I'm saying though is that we have to understand that most of the African um, states today are not, there's no African nation or state in Africa today. They are all European outpost nations, especially even the Franco, Franco, Francophone countries, they are controlled by France. Their currency, everything controlled by, by France. So uh, until, and the reason why it's, you know, it's very easy for Europeans to control us because there's no social organization. We don't have, we are not ethnolinguistic homogeneous. When you're ethnolinguistic homogeneous, that's not to say you're not going to have another issue, but the issue of a foreigner coming to use, to divide and conquer, will be, it will be very difficult for them to do. And that is, to me, one of the arguments, you know, for ethnolinguistic homogeneity. So... I totally agree with most of the things you say. Uh, the only thing I think that um, we must not we we must try not to lose so much in order to gain um, half, you know, because we can at least our problems and see that um, going one hardcore route will um, make us lose out in some aspects, and those are key aspects. Although we gain very key aspects also. So, but we can, with our brains, think out a way to gain from both ends if we do not um, lock ourselves into a box of this is how we must do it. We can adjust that this is how we must do it and make sure that we gain from the pillars that would free us from economic sabotage uh, 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 and um, every other sabotage, whether it's um, originality or however, we have to be able to break out from all at once because the way you have boxed it into one box would break from one aspect and then have to fight for another couple of hundred years to break out from the other aspect. You know, I think we shouldn't be settling for less in this century. You know, if China could do it in seven, I know that China was not a mono-ethnical nation before. You know, these are uh, uh, this is a nation made up of so many nations that have now come together under one Mandarin. You know, so we have to think about the implications. We have to create a solution that is unique to us African people. That is what I believe. I believe we might have not created a solution yet, but we can if we put our mind towards it. We will. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I think we're running out of time. We're supposed to close by 10 because, uh, you know, many people don't like listening to long podcasts or 
um i don't know uh, you're done right yes yes okay so thank you so much um if I, I used to know you as Fadari, so just later I got to know your name as a joke. Uh, thank you so much for uh, coming to Break Bread with us. I do actually have questions, but because of time, um, I might need to just uh, okay. Let me okay. Let me just shoot the question a, a bit. Um, uh, regarding um, most of the time, I I notice the many of the Biafra and Ududu agitator kind of blame the North for all of their problems. Uh, I'm a Pan-African and I'm not a Pan-Nigerian. Uh, most of the time I let people know that I believe in Africa, uh, but whatever is going to happen if dividing Nigeria is going to bring peace and make us work, I'm all for it. Uh, uh, African, uh, Nigeria is a colonial plantation, so uh, wherever is going to, I'm not, I'm not for like Shane used to say, uh, what we both join together, let no man pull us on that. I'm not part of those, those type of Pan-African. Ah, you're not supposed to talk about, uh, you're not supposed to promote um, successionist ideologies and uh, divisive ideology. Um, I, I, me, I believe if 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 that's going to work for us, fine. But one thing I don't like that comes mostly from the Biafran do Ududua architectures is the fact that it constantly, I was born and brought up in the North. Uh, my father still stayed in the North. My mother died in the North. Um, all of us grew up in the North. So I've stayed all through my life with, with our South people. And um, um, I went to primary, secondary, finished in Zaria. I did everything I could. So when I come to the West and I see the Hatred they have for the northern and so like no, uh, especially as the fact that I'm a Pan-African, I don't think we should all of a sudden begin to hate on them, and then all of a sudden begin to blame outside people. That okay, the north that is holding us down. Uh, many of the contract contract they have given to many of the private contractors in Lagos in Ogun State, at least from where I'm from, that they have not done nothing. We're giving to Yoruba people, not outside people. You know. Um, the uh, lack of uh, medical facilities that should be available in, in, in the West and Southwest down here have not been done. Still, by the same Yoruba people responsible for what should have been done. And so that is where I'm always a little bit edgy when it comes to okay, if we talk about this thing, if, if it's by change of name or change of or the amalgamation, as the word is. Uh, does it automatically change our psyche? Does it automatically change our greediness? Does it change the uh, capitalist system that keeps us this way? That's really over you know, because right. a lot of people still do the same thing. So this is just where me I I come from. Not okay. like I don't support the uh, Yoruba agitation right. stuff. So just uh, right. if you could share right, uh, more okay. like on that. Okay, okay. Let me, yeah, quickly, I'll, I'll be quick. For, uh, let me, well, let me refer back quickly to uh, the gentleman that spoke previously. I, my, I'm not focused only on the amalgamation. There are two ways to, you know, um, tackle Nigeria's fundamental problem. One is um, regional system, but it has to be optimized right each region has to have its own uh, military regime uh, you know I've, I've talked about that and then the second you know is the amalgamation i personally favor the amalgamation because um you know it's just better 
then uh, regional autonomy because the regional autonomy has to be optimized. So I just want to uh, clarify that. As far as what you just said, first, there's no, we don't practice capitalism in Nigeria and Nigerians are not capitalistic. <laughs> there's no, we, uh, what is the system? Uh, probably plutocracy, probably be the, the, the best way to describe what's going on in Nigeria. And, uh, and also socialism, you know, the system where you, um, you know, appropriate regional assets and surplus capital and redistribute it to the state. So um, the hatred are you talking about? What is causing the hatred is One Nigeria itself. One Nigeria is the epitome of corruption in Nigeria. You know, everything you everything that's going on in Nigeria is because of One Nigeria. That's why I said previously that One Nigeria has robbed us of our moral philosophy. You know, because if you don't have moral flaw, you don't have any ethics. The Yoruba did not this way before. The longer we stay inside the paras this parasitic unity system, the worst off we will get. Because we're seeing, you know, like it's kind of like a kid saying that um Abakiari um you know was colluding with a criminal and nothing is done to him. And the dude, you know, he's like in elementary school, but now he's conscious of what's going on. So he's like, okay. So when I grow up, I'm going to just be like Abakiari or Oshpopi because there's no justice. There's no, um, there's no reward and punishment system built into the, into, into this, um, our country or contraption that we think we're running. So it is one Nigeria that's creating all this problem. It's one Nigeria that's, you know, causing all these social conflicts, this, um, enmity between the Aousa people and the Yoruba people and the Igbo people. I mean, you, you have to understand if Buari can stand and say, well, I'm not going to, I don't care about the Igbo people. So it makes sense that Igbo people will not like him and they will not like the Aousa people. But but you still see Igbo people living in Kano, in Kaduna and all these other places. To me, that hatred and enmity is artificial because once the Yoruba people or Igbo people are on their own land, who are they going to blame now? So now they can't blame anybody else but themselves or their leaders. But now they can blame, you know, like the Ijo people, they can blame other people, even though they get, what is it, 13% of derivation or derivation money, but they're not doing anything with it, but they can still blame the Northerners. That's not to say, I think they should get 13%. I think they should get 100%. I think each region should control its resources and they can do whatever they want with it. And that is why in the Yoruba Federation that I've proposed, I don't believe states should federate. I believe the traditional provinces should federate. The Egba people should have their own province and they can have as many local governments as they can based on the revenue and surplus capital they generate in their, in their, in their province. So then they can't blame anybody because they are in their province. They have their own premier or whatever they have there. So they can blame you know, other people for their issues. What I'm trying to propose is a solution that will favor even the Northerners, the Aousa people, the Igbo people, everybody. And that solution is to either regionalize Nigeria, but it has to be optimized or, or, or balkanize it in form of like the EU um, system where you come together and you form uh, what they call, you can call it like United African regions or United African nations. So the Yoruba nation will be on its own. It will use its own language, its own you know, military, its own currency. 
But then, and they, they, you know, the same thing with the Igbo and the Aousa and everybody else. And they come together in the center and have a union of African, of, of African nations, or African states. So, which is called United African States or African Union, right? And then they can have a common currency and then they can have, uh, you know, a common uh, passport and things of that nature. Yeah, I'm in full support of that. To me, I think that would be the the unique and and the unique solution that you know we're looking for. But this system that we have, this parasitic unit system, where the military created all the states that favored the north, and also the constitution was created by northern military elites. This will not. And then another thing is that we're using federal police to enforce state law. Only crazy people will allow that. You should never allow federal police to, you know, enf to enforce state and municipal laws because you have municipal legislate legislators and you have state legislators. So when they make laws, the state supposed to enforce the law. You know, the state police and the the you know municipal police supposed to enforce the law, not the federal police because the federal police, first of all, has that, no jurisdiction to come to the state and enforce state laws or municipal laws. So, and that's one of the things where I said, you know, like the Aousa people, and then and, and let me just say this real quickly. The, the 12 northern states that introduced Sharia to their people, they've already broken away from Nigeria because to them, Sharia law supersedes the Nigerian constitution. So the Yoruba people are not to blame for these issues. The northerners, the core northerners, are, you know, are to be blamed because they jettisoned the customary law that, that our, you know, forefathers embraced. Now they introduce Sharia, so they've already broken away from it. What our response should have been: we develop our own customary law, because the Nigerian Constitution and the 1999 Military Decree um, make a provision for it, right? So we create that, and then we use Amotekun arm them and use Amateku to enforce the customary law the same way they use Isba to enforce the Sharia law. That's what we should have done. But it's getting to that. We eventually did it, but in a sort of like backward way. But because there's a provision for Sharia and customary law uh, in, the, in the 1999 military decree. So automatically what the Yoruba should have done is, okay, we'll develop our own customary law and then will use Amatekun to enforce it, just they use Iba, uh, Isba to enforce the Sharia law. So the solutions that I'm proposing will be beneficial to everybody. And I'm also a Pan-Africanist who want Africa to progress and, and to succeed and be powerful. But the way we can do it is we can only do it through um, uh, balkanization and then, uh, and then uh, through uh, um, strategic alliances not through forced amalgamation, the model that we currently have. It's never going to work. And uh, we, you know, so that's that's just what I, but, you know, thank you guys for having me. Um, you know, I can always come come back anytime you guys want me to come and, and, and chat with you guys. But I really appreciate you having me today. Thank you so much, uh, Fadari. Thank you so much for uh coming up maybe one of these days you come to talk about your book uh the, the mechanics of ifa divination system 
I wanted is is there is there if you could drop a link to it, maybe the e-Kindle mm -hmm. version of this or something for others who might need it. Um so thank you so much for breaking bread with us. So hopefully we get you back again. Thank uh, you. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll be glad to come back. your book and stuff. Uh so okay. so those who okay. get it. Yeah, thank okay. you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Okay. Bye for so now. We, uh, the podcast will be available on um, Friday. So I'll send a link to you. I hope you'll be able to share it on your Facebook too. So okay. all uh, your followers can read it too. And then, are you active on Twitter? Uh, Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am active on Twitter. Yes, yes. Okay, yes, so yes. I mention you a lot of time, and I've DM'd you severally. Uh, it took your time on to check up on facebook so yeah okay. it's uh it's the real the real one word the real agenda a-j-e-n-d-u the real um you know c-a-t-r-e-a-l-a-j-e-n-d-u you know that's my and on twitter okay, so, right. thank you so much and You're i will welcome, guys. all right you too yeah. bye you too.